you want to turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, back in the Old Testament, chapter 2, we'll start there tonight, today on our, in our lesson, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Thank you all for being here today. It's great to be with you, to remember our Lord's death on the cross for us, to worship God, to praise God for all the blessings we enjoy from Him. As David reminded us, all things are God's and all of our blessings come from Him. And it is so wonderful to be able to worship Him together this morning. I was thinking during that last song that Ben led us in, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If we're, we're all encouraged more as a result of being together today, that we're going to serve the Lord and that our families are going to serve the Lord, then our efforts together today have been beneficial and helpful. What if I told you about someone who I thought was worthless? What would you think if I told you that? What would you think if I told you that I came across people every day who are worthless? They're just worthless. What would you think about me if I told you that? Would you think I'm some kind of arrogant, conceited person? Would you be shocked if you heard me say that? If you think what I am saying is shocking, then you need to understand how the Bible defines people who are worthless. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. That's the King James rendering of that version, of that, of that verse. If you look at other versions, the Revised Standard, for instance, says the sons of Eli were worthless men. They were worthless men. And maybe your center reference has the word worthless in there for chapter uh, 2, verse 12, as the rendering of that. They were sons of Belial. They were worthless men. Hophni and Phinehas were their names, the sons of Eli. And the Bible tells us they were worthless. And so this morning, I want to spend some time with you looking at the lives of Hophni and Phinehas and try and figure out what about their lives made their lives worthless so that we can avoid that in our lives, so that at the end of our lives, they can't look at us and say, he or she lived a worthless life, a life that had no value. What was worthless about Hopni and Phineas? Why were they described as worthless men? Let's look in verse chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 13. And we'll see that they were worthless in their service to God. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning of verse 13. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand, while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who offered, Give me meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, They should really burn the fat, First, then you may take as much as your heart desires. He would then answer him, No, 
but you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, weren't giving up on serving God completely. They were still looking like they were serving God. They didn't abandon their outward show of religion, but their religion was totally worthless. Why was it worthless? First, it was worthless because they were not doing what God had said to do. They were ignoring the clear commands that God had given them. Passages like Leviticus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, tell us the rules for sacrificing the fat to God. And Hophni and Phinehas were in blatant violation of that. In fact, the people who were offering the sacrifices told the priests, no, we really ought to offer it to God first, and then you can have all you want. They said, no, give it to us now, or else we're going to make you give it to us. We're going to get ugly with you. They were ignoring the commandments of God to do what they wanted to do. Mark chapter 7, beginning of verse 6, Jesus talked about this. Talked about the danger of this in our religion. In ignoring what God wants us to do in favor for doing what we want to do. Mark chapter 7, verse 6. He answered and said unto them, Well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such things you do. And he said unto them, Fool well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother. And whosoever curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, if a man say to his father or mother, it is korban, that is to say, a gift by whatever thou mayest be profited by me, he shall be free. And you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have delivered, and many such like things you do. Jesus says there's people who are doing the exact opposite of what God said to do. God said, do this, and they say, no, we're not going to do that. That was happening back in the Old Testament, in Hophni and Phinehas' day. It was happening in the New Testament in Jesus' day. And it's happening today as well in the religious world. People are doing the exact opposite of what God said to do. For example, there are many people in the religious world today who are calling the person who's standing in the pulpit like I am their father. They refer to the leaders of the congregation as the Father. There are certain religious organizations who even call the head of the church on earth the Holy Father. And we know that Jesus, while He was here, He said, call no man your Father. He was saying, don't call... Where are these religious titles? These religious titles that would honor and elevate a man. Jesus said, don't do that. There's one in heaven who's your Father. God. Call Him your Father. Don't call men your Father. And yet people in the religious world today are doing just that. They're doing exactly the opposite of what they were told to do. It's true in the areas of marriage and the rules that God has given for marriage and, and the rules and regulations about divorce and remarriage. The Bible's very clear. When we get married, we're to be married for life. But God has joined together. Let no man put asunder, Jesus said. And yet we're ignoring that. And we're doing the opposite of what it says. 
It's been apparent in recent years in the area of homosexuality, where the Bible very clearly condemns homosexuality and religious people are today saying, well, you know what, it's okay. That's not the rules that we have to live by. We can ignore that rule because, well, we'll just ignore it because times are different today. Hop, nigh, and Phineas were ignoring the instructions that God had given them. And their religion, their worship, was worthless. Not only were they ignoring what God wanted them to do, they were doing what they wanted to do. They were doing their religious service with their wants and their desires in mind. They only cared about what they wanted, not what God wanted. They wanted the meat prepared like they wanted it prepared. And they didn't care how God had said that the sacrifice needed to be offered. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, look at verses 15 and 16 again. 1 Samuel 2, verses 15 and 16. And before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who, who sacrificed, Give me meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. Don't cook it. Don't boil it. When you boil it, you mess it all up. He wants it raw so he can cook it the way he wants it cooked. And if the man said to him, They should really burn the fat first, and then you may take as much as your heart desires, he would answer him, No, but you must give it now. And if not now, I'll take it by force. I don't want that boiled meat. Boiled meat isn't nearly as good as if we let uh, Andrew put it in the smoker for us. That'd be a lot better. You know, it gets a lot more tender if you smoke it and cook it real slow. We don't want that boiled stuff. And they say, wait, wait a minute. Now, God said we need to do it this way. So we don't care. We want to do it our way. And isn't that what's happening in the religious world today as well? Aren't religious people today following right in the steps of Eli's sons and worshiping God the way that they want to be worshipped? Not the way that God wants them to be worshipped? It's happening all over the world today. Men are putting their desires ahead of God's desires. Doing what they want instead of what God wants. And people have been doing this throughout time. In Malachi chapter 1, Malachi chapter 1 verse 8. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? God was clear in the Old Testament that if you're going to sacrifice something to me, it better be the best you have. It better not have blemishes and have defects. And the people said, you know what? We want to worship God. We're not going to throw the idea of God away, but this whole idea of giving Him our best, giving Him stuff that doesn't have any blemishes, we don't really like that. You know, that lamb that is really nice and healthy and pretty, I'd really like to keep that one. I don't care so much about this spotted one or the one that's crippled and hobbling around on three legs instead of four. That one I can do without. But that nice one I'm going to keep for myself. I'll worship God, but I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. And God said, that ain't going to cut it. You've got to do it the way that I want it done, not the way that you want it done. People are still doing that. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Whatever you do, you do it by the authority of Christ Jesus. Not by the authority of what you like. Not by the authority of what makes sense to you. 
Not by the authority of, well, this is the way we'd rather do it. But you do it by the authority of Christ Jesus. What did He tell you to do? Are you worshiping Him the way that He said to worship you? You know, people today in churches all over America are worshiping God the way that they want to worship Him. Not the way that He said to worship Him. In music style, for example. A lot of people are worshiping God in a way that they would call contemporary. In a way that doesn't look any different than a rock concert. and doesn't sound any different than a rock concert. And why is that? If you were to ask the people that are attending those churches, why do you worship God that way? Why do you have the light show and the fog machine and the loud music? Why do you worship God that way? Well, that's what we like. That makes us feel a certain way. That's the kind of worship that we like. No reference to God or how He said to worship Him. But it's how we like it. It's what we want. And their worship looks more like a coffee shop and a relaxed atmosphere. And we serve God the way that we want instead of the way that God wants. It's in every aspect of our lives. Many ways, people are taking and serving God the way that they want instead of how He said to be worshipped. Hopni and Phineas were worthless men. And they were worthless because their worship was in vain. Their service to God was in vain. They weren't serving Him the way that He said to serve Him. And as a result, God says they were worthless men. I want to tell you something else that was worthless about their life, and that was their influence on others. Through their sins, and through the way that they worshiped and served God, their influence on others was negative instead of positive. It only stands to reason that their influence would be negative if they didn't serve God the way that they should have. But often we overlook this fact. When we sin, and when we fail to serve God like we should, we are influencing others negatively. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 2. Look at verse 17 of 1 Samuel chapter 2. As a result of them doing whatever they wanted to do in, without regard for God, look at verse 17. Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Hopni and Phineas were doing what they wanted to do, and as a result, notice the influence it had on others. Others abhorred the offering of the Lord. Others couldn't stand offering sacrifices anymore because of the influence of Hopni and Phineas. Their actions affected how other people viewed serving God. And the question for us this morning is, how do our lives reflect on serving God? Do others look at our lives and want to serve God because they see good in it? Or do they see us and say, you know what? If serving God is like that, I don't want anything to do with it. If serving God makes you like him or like her, now you can count me out. I don't want anything to do with that. Do our lives encourage good or do they encourage bad? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God, Jesus says we need to be the type of people that when other people see us and see the way that we live, 
they are encouraged to live that way as well. Can people look at our families and see how our families are structured and the types of relationships that we have in our family and be encouraged that they want to be like that or be discouraged? Can they see the way that we love our spouses The way that we talk about our spouses, the way we treat our spouses, can they see that and be encouraged that that's the kind of relationship they want to have with their spouse? Or are they discouraged? Can they see how we respond in stressful and trying circumstances? Can they see how we have our emotions in check and we're not flying off the handle and we're not running our mouth and saying things that we shouldn't say when times are heated? Can they see that in our lives and be encouraged to say, you know what, I need to live like that in my life? Or are they discouraged? Can they see that we have the correct focus in life? That we're not driven by material things, but we're driven by our love for God and our desire to serve Him. Can they see that and say, you know what, that's the kind of life that I want to live? Are we influencing others like we should? You know, I think we underestimate the fact that, of what a negative influence we can be on others. You know, often I think that we envision ourselves that I can live how I want to live and it's just between me and God and it's not going to affect those who are around me. The fact of the matter is we cannot live in such a way that does not affect others. We're going to affect others either positively or negatively. Are we influencing others for good? Look over in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us the importance of our attitude and our outlook on life and how we live our life because it can have a terribly negative influence. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. My attitude, my attitude in life can be either a positive influence or it can cause the defilement of many. You know, the way that I live, even down to my attitude, has an influence and an impact on others. Hopni and Phineas were worthless men because their lives were a, was a, were a bad influence on others. What about our lives? In first, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 17, we read about a couple of other men who have unique names like Hopni and Phineas, Hymenaeus and Philetus. They start with the same name even, or letter even. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 17, And their word will eat as does a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already. They're all wet. They're all wrong. But notice the influence and the result. And have overthrown the faith of some. They are going to be lost because of their denial of the resurrection, and saying that it's already occurred and it's not in the future. And they've overthrown the faith of others. Are others going to suffer because of the way that we live? 
and because of the, uh, the aspects of our life, are others going to be discouraged? Others were discouraged because of Hopni and Phineas. And not only were they discouraged, they were prompted to sin. Back in second, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 2. Look at verse 22. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22. By discouraging others in their service, they were actually encouraging others to sin. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22. Now Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. Know, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. Eli's hearing what his sons are doing and the adultery and fornication that they're committing. And he says, you're making my people transgress. They were making other people sin by the way that they lived. I will tell you, brethren, we can be a bad influence on others to the extent that we cause other people to sin. Others will be lost in hell potentially by the way that we live and the influence that we have on others. You know, not only do some people sin themselves and, and cause a bad influence on others, many times when we sin, we're trying to encourage others to sin with us. The sin of gossip is no fun by yourself, is it? It's no fun to gossip in an empty room by yourself. If you're going to gossip, what are you trying to do? You try to encourage others to engage in that sin with you. When I murmur and complain, it's not a lot of fun to murmur and complain by myself, is it? I try to find someone else that will throw it with me. And hey, let's complain about the boss together. Let's gripe and complain about the weather together. Let's complain about something together. It's more fun, isn't it, if we can all just sort of bellyate together. When I am living like I shouldn't live, many times I'm looking for people to do that with me. And so it is with peer pressure, kids. There are going to be times in your life where other people who claim to be your friends are going to try and get you to engage in a a sinful activity with them because it makes them feel better if they can find somebody else to do it. Hey, let's go do what we shouldn't do together. They're going to try to encourage you to sin together. We could talk about a number of sins that way. Immodest dress. Why do folks dress the way that they do many times? Because they're trying to get someone else to look at them and to lust at them. When we don't live as we should, our influence is bad. Our lives are worthless because of the impact that we have on others. Back to Hopni and Phineas. I'll tell you something else that was worthless about them, and that was their eternal faith. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Verses 22 through 25, we looked at 22 through 24, where he says, you're making others transgress. Look at verse 25. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. 
Eli says, listen, you're messing with God. And when you mess with God, you'll have to pay the price. They were worthless because of the fate that they were going to endure. Their eternal fate made their lives worthless. And the Scriptures over and over again tell us how worthless this fate is. When we disregard God in our lives, we'll have to suffer eternally as a result. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. Matthew 16, verse 26. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus is using hyperbole. There's no way you could gain the whole world. But what if you could? What if everybody's bank account rolled into yours? And everybody's house was yours? And everybody's car was yours? And everything else was yours? What if you had that, but you went to hell for it? Jesus said it's a bad trade. It's a bad trade. What is most important in our life is not material things. And yet many people are sacrificing their eternal soul for far less. Have you ever talked to someone who said, who verbalized, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyways. That person is living a worthless life, aren't they? When I went to school and college, the guy that lived across the hall from me was living a worthless life And he knew it. He was a religious person when he was under his parents' roof. But when he got to school, he threw it all away. And started living a life that was completely the opposite of what he knew he ought to be living. And he came to my room one night and he sat down and he talked. And he told me, he said, don't you dare do what I'm doing. He says, I know I'm not living the way that I should. I'm not doing what I should do. I'm messing up my life. Don't dare do what I'm doing. He was living a worthless life and he knew it. And the sad thing was, he wasn't going to change. Hopni and Phineas were living a worthless life and they weren't going to change. They would suffer eternally for that. And we must not make the same mistake. And as a result of the way that they lived, we'd have to conclude that their entire life was worthless. The entire life of Eli's sons was completely and totally worthless. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, let's pick up in verse 27. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 27, Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt and Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people? Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever, but now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. 
And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall, be, shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons on Hopni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that any, everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, and say, Please put me in a, one of uh, the priestly positions that I might eat a piece of bread. Hophni and Phinehas. As a result of failing to understand what would make their life truly worthwhile, lived a completely worthless life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, the passage that Mark read for us before the lesson, tells us what will make our life full, what will make our life complete, what will make our life have meaning, and it is living the exact opposite of the way that Hopni and Phineas lived. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The whole duty of man is to fear God and keep His commandments. And sadly, many are living worthless lives today because they fail to realize this. Many are living just like Hopni and Phineas did, doing what they want in service to God putting themselves first without regard for God's instructions, presenting a bad influence to others and encouraging others to sin. And they're living a completely worthless life. We need to desperately understand that the only way to have a meaningful and fulfilling life is to not live for self, not do just what you want to do, but to serve God and live by His instructions. And this is because God's instructions are not to make our lives miserable. Instead, God's instructions are for our good. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24, Moses said, The Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that He might preserve us alive as it is this day. God's instructions are for our good. And that only makes sense, isn't it? If we serve a loving God, if we serve an all-knowing God, a God who knows everything and is loving, you couple those two things together, what's He going to tell you to do? Is He going to tell you to do things that are going to be hurtful and going to be mess, mess up your life? Is He going to do that? Or is He going to tell you things that are for your good? An all-knowing, loving God is only going to tell you what's good for your life, isn't He? And you let a lot of people look at the Bible as if it's, a book full of things that are going to mess up your life, and you don't really even want to look at it. Oh, if I read that verse, I'm not going to be able to do what's good for me. If I read this verse, I'm not going to be able to do that fun thing. No. God's instructions are for our good always. Everything that's in here is for our good. And so we need to be studying this, and we need to be doing it. Because it's for our good. It keeps us from having the worthless life that Hopni and Phineas had. We need to be serving God. Because we know it is for our good. And if we're not, then we're living a life that's worthless. 
Notice again why their lives were worthless. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, the sons of Eli were sons of Belial, or worthless men. Why? Because they knew not the Lord. They knew not the Lord. And we know from other scriptures what knowing the Lord means. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, Hereby we do know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We know God by doing what he said. Hopni and Phineas were worthless men because they didn't know God. They didn't know God because they didn't do what he said. Is your life worthless right now? Are you living a life like Hopni and Phineas lived? A worthless life? It doesn't have to be. I know we're over time, but quickly, if you'll give me just a few minutes, look at the end of their life. Look back in 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, look at verse 11. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 11. A horrifying end of their life. I will tell you that we're going to meet a similar fate if we don't Align ourselves with God's will for us. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Ooh. That puts chills up your back, doesn't it? In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he does, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. And then drop down to chapter 4. Let's see this come to pass. Verse 1. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Apex. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes along um, among us, it may save us, from the hand of our enemies. So the people would send to Shiloh that they might bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, so the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. They said, Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent, and there was very great slaughter. And there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas died. 
Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line at the same day and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now when he came, there was Eli sitting by, on a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the, men came, and the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle. And I fled today from the battle, and he said, What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened, when he made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child due to be delivered, and when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. A terrible ending to a terrible life. And I want to tell you this morning that if we don't learn from their mistakes, there will be a terrible ending to our terrible lives. Worthless lives lived by worthless men. It doesn't have to be that way for us. What about you this morning? Are you living a life that matters? A life that's devoted to serving God and doing His will? If you're here this morning and you haven't become a Christian, by obeying His plan of salvation this morning, there's no better time than right now. If you're here this morning in a Christian, but you realize you haven't been living like you should, there's no better time than right now to correct that. That you can be living the life that God has intended for you. A life that has meaning, has value. A life that will be an impact on others. And a life that will be rewarded in eternity. If there's any way we can help you, let us know while we stand, while we sing.